Well, my name is Jeff Reinhardt. I'm the husband to Paige Reinhardt, who is actually pregnant with our baby girl. Thank you. Hashtag girl dad. Um, but our story was kind of crazy. We, we got pregnant earlier this year, and um, we're really excited and um, just enjoying this moment of, of entering into parenthood. And it was rough. We ended up losing our baby girl, our first one. And in that moment, it just felt like, God, where are you at? Where are you at? This isn't supposed to happen. This is not what life is supposed to be like. Where are you? And where were you? And it was crazy because after that ultrasound that we walked out, Paige and I were hugging each other and we were crying in the, the parking lot and we were just praying and crying. And Paige just reminded me, you know what? God is always good. And the very thing that the enemy meant for evil, God is going to use it for good. So I just want to encourage you in here today that if you're walking through the storm of your life, you are not alone. And the enemy doesn't have the final say. God has the final say. And he is always faithful. He is always good. He is always faithful to his promise. And his word, yes, his word never returns void, ever. And so we can trust that God's good today and that he's speaking to us every moment of the day. With that being said, I want to give you a title if you're taking down notes today. The title is, Are You Listening? Are You Listening? Let me ask you this. Are you a good listener? Let me see you raise of hands. You feel like you're a good listener? Don't be shy. It's all, it's all good. Just be confident, okay? We have some good listeners in here. You feel like when people communicate to you, you listen, you know what they're saying, and you can respond accordingly. Now, there's another group that I, you know, I thought I was a good listener, but then I realized that I was more in the second category than I want to admit, is the not-so-great listeners. Now, I won't make you raise your hand for that, but when I finally realized that I was in the second category was actually in premarital counseling. Yeah, we're going there. We're going there. And before you freak out, I already got permission. Okay, I still have permission. Uh, but we were, we were in premarital counseling. We had the best premarital counselors of all time. They're incredible. My best friend's parents, which is a little bit weird. But uh, they were awesome. And, uh, and so we were going through, you know, this very rigorous Navy SEAL premarital counseling training. And, uh, and one of the times, they invited us over to another couple's house to do an assessment. And so, no big deal. So we go over to the, uh, the, the other couple's house. They've been married a long time. And we take this assessment. Now, the assessment was Paige had to fill out her answers based on her perspective. And I had to fill out the question based on my perspective. And the goal of this exercise was to compare answers. And so we do the, the, the assessment. It comes back. The couple looks at it. And they're like, Wow. These numbers are off the chart. No, I'm kidding. They're like, this is pretty good. This is, this is, I mean, y'all line up pretty closely. And so I'm starting to get a little cocky. I'm like, well, cool. We must be a kind of the it couple. And so I'm kind of thinking to myself, we don't really need a lot of work probably. I think we've got it all down. And then they threw a curveball to us. 
they said, hey, we have one more exercise for you to complete. It's the listening exercise. And so I thought I was a good listener, and they explained what we were doing. And basically what you had to do was you had to say a few sentences, and then the other person would have to repeat that same sentence word for word back. This is my nightmare, okay? So Paige started out on it, and she did great, okay? She did phenomenal. She, I think, maybe missed like one or two words, and I still was classic. I was like, it's pathetic. <clears throat> Guess she doesn't listen very well. Wow. And so I'm starting to go in on it. And then it was my turn. <laughs> it was the worst. It was the worst. I can still recall it. Basically what happened was, I didn't listen to what Paige was saying. She said her sentences, and then I fumbled to try to get a couple of words out. And it just was like the worst thing you've ever heard in my entire life. Meanwhile, I look over at the couple, and they're over here scribbling down notes. So if there's any pressure on me, there was like a weight on me now that they're like taking down notes. They're like, wow, this is like something, oh wow, this is a new development here. And so then I'm trying to look over my shoulder, feel the pressure, try to repeat the words, and I just kept stumbling and stumbling. And it was kind of a realization that maybe I'm not as good of a listener as I thought. Now, why did the couple do this listening exercise with us? Well, they explained it is because listening is important. Go figure, right? For a, a relationship, you have to listen to one, other, uh, one another. But their biggest lesson that they wanted to get across to us was listening creates intimacy. Listening creates intimacy. And for a healthy, vibrant, fresh relationship, you need to listen so that you can continue growing and get to know the other person on a deeper level. I mean, when Paige and I were, were, were starting to date, we would FaceTime from, from California, and, you know, I'd be with my friends, and I'd get a FaceTime ring, and all of a sudden, my phone would go off, and, you know, you know how, like, when you talk to uh, your significant other, your voice changes? Like, hey, what's up, guys? Give me one sec. Hey, babe, how's it going? How are you? Everything good? And, and so we would have these FaceTimes. We would like stay up super late. But one of my favorite things about the FaceTimes is that we would share our heart with one another. We would talk about our hopes, our dreams, our calling, where we feel like God is leading us to, as well as we would share our heartbreak, our hurts, our habits, and our hangups with one another. And what that was doing as we were listening to one another's story and as we were sharing it, it was creating healing. But at the same time, we were getting to know each other on the deepest of levels. And that's what you do when you share your story. When you share those things that have broken your heart, it actually mends you together on the deepest level. And so Jesus talks about this in our scripture today, how important it is, listening is to intimacy. Because the reality is you can't know someone intimately if you don't listen to them. If you don't recognize their voice, if you don't listen to the words they're saying, and you don't know their voice. You can't know them intimately. And so Jesus is having this exchange with the Pharisees, and I don't know about you, but I love a good Jesus versus Pharisees showdown. Okay, that's one of the biggest things with my Bible reading this week is I'm like, what? Did Jesus really just say that and get away with it? 
And so he's having this exchange, and, and, and he makes that point of listening creates intimacy to the Pharisees. And what's so interesting about this passage of Scripture is that Jesus is talking about knowing God intimately to the people who know the most about God. They were the spiritually elite, y'all. They had full chapters, full books of the Bible memorized. If anyone was the spiritually elite, they were. But it's interesting because even though they knew the most about God, and they knew the, the word of God, they missed the word made flesh. It's interesting, John 1.14 and the message says this. It says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. What's interesting about that is that Jesus was the word of God embodied. And he was trying to communicate this to the Pharisees. But they were missing the word made flesh. And because of that, they missed out on an intimate relationship with God. Now, before we go ahead and judge the Pharisees, if you're like me, when I read scripture, I always put myself into the good guy category. And I'm always like, they're pathetic. They need to grow in their faith or something. But before we judge the Pharisees, I think we need to look in the mirror and ask ourselves a few questions. What's been keeping me from hearing the voice of God? What's been keeping me from walking and following God intimately? Is it pride? Is it self-righteousness like the Pharisees? Feeling like, oh, I already know everything. I'm good. I don't need to. My relationship with God is fine. Is it distraction? You know, a lot of us, Instagram, we spend more time on Instagram than we do in the presence of God, myself included. Is it unrepentant sin today where you know that you know that you know that God has constantly been speaking to you, telling you to repent or to turn back to him, but you're, you're, you're turning down the voice of God because you want to do what you want to do. What is it for you today? Maybe it's busyness. Maybe it's your career where you say, ah, I, don't, I don't have time for God today. I, I, I need to get to my emails or I need to get to, to work because I'm just so busy right now. And, and, and your busyness and your career is taking up the space to know God, to hear his voice intimately. I think during different times in our lives, we all go through seasons and moments where we struggle hearing the voice of God. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you just feel like you're in a dry spot. Maybe you feel like you're in a rut and you're, not, you're, you're feeling like you're not experiencing this fresh, vibrant life only found in Jesus. You just feel like you're doing all the right things, but you just feel like you're going through the motions and there's no real intimate relationship with God. I know for me, I, I grew up in the Christian household my entire life. I went through Christian education and that was always a struggle for me because we prayed after snack we prayed after lunch. We prayed after, after, I don't know if there's an afternoon snack, but we prayed all the time. That's a great thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But what happened was I started to get familiar with just going 
through the motions. And what happened was I got to a certain point in my walk with the Lord where I realized I wasn't walking with the Lord. I knew so much about Jesus and all the facts and who his mom was and what he did on earth. I even knew a few Bible verses, but I was missing out on an intimate relationship with following Jesus. So if we're not careful, we can easily get into this routine where we think that we're doing all the right things and that we're close to God when we're actually not. And I think the Pharisees picked up on that. And what's interesting is I think that's why Jesus is making such an interesting point in his illustration today. Now, I love Jesus because Jesus has some interesting illustrations. And one of the ways that he teaches us how we can be more intimate with God, how our our relationship with God can be fresh and vibrant, is he tells us that we need to be more like sheep. You heard me, sheep. Now, I don't know about you, but I was pretty disappointed when Jesus was comparing us to sheep. I'm like, Jesus, can't I be like a lion or a bear or something? Like, why do you have to compare us to sheep? You have the picture of the sheep. This is what Jesus is comparing us to. I don't know about you. I'm like, okay, Jesus, where are you going with this illustration? Like, you want us to be more like this guy? And it's so interesting because at this time in Jesus' lifetime, they would have known exactly what he was talking about when he was using this illustration. And so as we read our scripture in John 10 today, I want you to pick up on a few characteristics that sheep do well. Got it? So that's your challenge. John 10, verse 1. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV version. I'll give you a sec to flip. Sorry, i got to move on my... Uh, my props here. John 10, 1. So let me give you just a little bit of background, and then we'll read the scriptures together. Basically what happened was Jesus heals a blind man and on the Sabbath. And if you know this beef with Jesus and the Pharisees, they're upset because he keeps breaking the rules. And a lot of times he keeps violating the Sabbath, and they had a very strict Sabbath rules, right? You couldn't do certain things. You couldn't work on the Sabbath. And so they were trying to claim that by healing someone, you're working. And Jesus is like, well, if you knew me, you would realize that actually I am the Sabbath. I am the Sabbath for your souls. They don't get it. So he basically calls them spiritually blind and they're upset. So we, we pick up in this kind of exchange with Jesus and the Pharisees as they're investigating this healing. So John 10, 1. This is Jesus' words, and he's talking to the Pharisees. He says this, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep, everyone say, listen. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. I don't know about you, but I think someone needs to hear that today. Is that God knows your name. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He has known you before you were ever born. And he sees you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He values you. And he knows your name. It says this, and he leads them out when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they 
know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Sheep are awesome. I love this about sheep. Basically, I'm going to give you a picture. Do we have the sheep pen? I'm going to break this down really quick. So this would be an ancient Near East sheep pen, I think. So what's going on here is the sheep are in the structure, okay? And then the gatekeeper would be the one who would watch at night against, you know, any danger, thieves, robbers, animals, you know, bears, different stuff like that. He would watch out for them and and he would defend the sheep. And so what Jesus is saying is that he is the shepherd and the gatekeeper would know. He's a hired hand, right? He would know the shepherd. Therefore, he would open up the gate for the shepherd. Shepherd would go in, call the sheep by name, and then he would lead them out into the pastures. What a beautiful picture of salvation with our God. We were in bondage. We were imprisoned to our sin. Jesus shows up, comes through the gate, and calls us out of our bondage into peace and pasture. We were once lost, but now we're found. And so Jesus is trying to get this across to the Pharisees, and, and they're basically, they're, they're, they're not getting it, okay? They're so confused. Another just quick word I want to make is that they don't, the sheep don't recognize a stranger's voice. How bad do we need to hear that in 2021? Not everything you read on Twitter is true. Not everything on Facebook is the truth. Yeah, they might even throw a Bible verse in there that doesn't make it true. There's so many people that will take verses and twist the meaning to make it say what they want so they can get back on their coworker, Debbie or Becky, or someone who doesn't agree with their political stance. And as true sheep, as true followers of Jesus, if if we're following Jesus, we're not going to fall susceptible to that. We're going to know God's voice. And so when we're faced with a competing truth, we're going to say, that's not the truth. I know the truth, and it's the word of God. Y'all hearing me? And so the Pharisees, you ever, you ever like tell a joke or a story and, and the person doesn't get it? And so then you have to say it a different way? That's what G- Jesus basically has to do here. And so we pick up in verse 7. He says this. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you. So now he switches out the analogy. He went from being the shepherd And now he's the gate. So pick up on that. Here's what he says. I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. Jesus, what is he talking about? He's talking about the false prophets, the false messiahs, the evil kings that are claiming to, to, for everyone to worship them and to follow them and to be the truth. And so Jesus is saying, all who have come before me are, are false, right? Because I'm the true messiah. He continues, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief, so the thief of thieves, the enemy, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Life and have it abundantly. The enemy's job in this world is to manipulate your life, manipulate your circumstances, manipulate God's word, manipulate the truth around you to try to separate you from God. And in that, 
He's pretty successful sometimes, right? Because he destroys our lives. He gets us to think that, man, our sin is better than a relationship with Jesus. That relationship that you shouldn't be in is, it's bringing, God, you don't know me. It's it's fulfilling me. Is it? Because you know that you know that you're being disobedient. And that's only going to lead to destruction. One of the questions that I've always come to ask, you know, some of my friends are asking advice and kind of are in a lost place is, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? And like a lot of times they're like, not great. And I'm like, all right, let's talk about it. Let's get into it. Because it's amazing that Jesus is the gate. He is the only way to the abundant life. You, you, there's only one gate and Jesus is the gate. And so he's claiming that about himself is that if you want to live into the abundant life, if you want to live into this vibrant, fresh relationship with the creator of the universe, you're going to go through the only gate. There's so many, there's so many people right now and different beliefs that, that believe that Jesus isn't the only way. And we have to pick up on that and say, that's false. I'm not going to fall for that. I'm following Jesus's voice. I'm going through the only way. The only gate in his name is Jesus. I'm going to give uh, Kellen a shout out right now. Kellen and our, we were talking about this verse in, in youth group, and he said something so profound. Prophet Kellen over here. He said, because we were asking what that meant. You know, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And, and, and we were talking to him about it, and there was a lot of answers going around saying, you know, it's, it's eternal life with Jesus. It's heaven. It's life after death. And then Kellen comes in with the truth bomb. And he says, well, guys, it's not just about the outcome. It's about the experience. I was like, all right, Kellen, here, you can do my job. Um, but it's the truth, right? A lot of times we picture salvation and we picture a relationship with Jesus as, oh, I get, I'm saved, so I get to be, you know, in heaven with Jesus one day. No, this day you get to be with Jesus. This day on earth, because a relationship with him is heaven. It's heaven on earth. And you get to experience the kingdom of God, not one day, but right now. Right now. It's the abundant life, y'all. It's life overflowing, excessive, over the top, compared to nothing. And we have access through that when we enter through the gate. And his name is Jesus. We'll continue on in verse 14, 15. I love when Jesus talks about himself. But in between there, he basically says, in those verses in between, before 14, he says, um, I'm not a hired hand. So when things get tough, when danger comes about, I'm not going to run away. I'm going to stay there. I have a vested interest in your life. I am the good shepherd. So I'm with you in the highs and the lows. When things get tough, I'm not going to run away like a hired hand would because he only cares about himself. No, I'm the good shepherd. I've come to lay down my life for you so that you can experience the abundant life in me. God with us. And that's God with us on the mountaintops as much as the valley. So if you're in a valley right now, guess what? Good news, Jesus is with you because he's the good shepherd and he's laid down his life so that you can experience peace in the midst of your brokenness. In the midst of your pain, you can experience his presence. So good. 
This is what he says, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Praise God. We're gonna pause and we're gonna park it in these next two verses. But before then, two months pass, scholars think. Um, It's Hanukkah and they come in town back to Jerusalem for this feast. And so one of the things that Jesus' word does is that it makes us have to make a decision because it's the truth. And what he says about himself is he's saying, I'm the only way, right? I am the gate. And so what he's doing and what these Jews are going back and forth about is they're trying to decide, is he who he says he is? And I think all of us have that question today. Do we trust Jesus's words? And so they're going back and forth. And one of the funny things in scripture is like, oh, he's demon possessed. Like he's psycho if he's saying some of these things. Like this dude is claiming to be the only way. He's claiming to have a relationship with the father. Now other people are like, he's insane. He's raving mad, right? Just he's out of, but others are saying he's the Messiah. He, he, he's the chosen one of God. I'm going to put my faith and trust in him. So they come back for this feast and the Jews confront Jesus again and, and they say, uh, the Jewish leaders, and they, they say, well, if you're the Messiah, if you're the savior of the world, if you're the only way, just tell us plainly. And Jesus goes, I have told you plainly. He goes, did you not see my works? Did you not see what the works I did in my father's name? And, and, and he said, well, the reason why you're not believing my words is because you are not my sheep. You're you're not trusting what I'm saying about myself. You're not trusting my testimony about myself. And we pick up in verse 27, 28. We're going to park it here for the rest of the time together. He says this, my sheep, everyone say, listen, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Beautiful words. We have three characteristics that we're going to talk about the rest of the time that sheep do really well. Sheep, listen to my voice. So I want to I take just a second to address some of the myths you might have. Does God really speak? Does God really speak to us? And I don't think the question is whether or not God is speaking, because God is always speaking to us. The question is, are you listening? Because God speaks through a number of different ways. But what I love about God is that he speaks to you in the way you need to hear him. God speaks through people, through pastors, through friends, through family, through followers of Jesus, mentors. God speaks to you through people. He also speaks to us through nature. If you love nature, Speaks to us through his, his, his word. God speaks to you. If you're analytical, he speaks to you through numbers. God speaks to us through everything. And we have to be paying attention to his voice. Got to be paying attention to his voice. One of, and I'm just going to give you a practical t- tool here. One of the ways that, because I would always talk to my mentor, and he would always say, you know, oh, God's speaking to me, this and that. And I'm like, how are you doing that, man? Like, I want what you have. And he asked me, he goes, are you creating time, space, and environment for God to, to speak to you? No. So, well, 
I would encourage you to do that. And so one of the things, and this is just me, you don't have to do this. One of the things that I've learned to do is that I, I habit stack. So I get up, I make my coffee, say hi to the dogs. I go outside to my little chair out by the pool. I open up the word of God. I read and then I pray. But before what I was doing is I was talking to God like this. Hey God, how are you? Hey, I need this, this, and this. Could you help me through this situation? I started, I was a megaphone prayer. And God, could you heal this person and do this? And God, I love you. You're amazing. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, the megaphone prayer, right? But like God wants us to cry out to him. Like God, he says that, cry out to me, talk to me. Like he wants to hear from us. Scripture says he bends down an ear to listen to us. But it'd be a shame if it stops there. Because communication with God is two ways. It's not just a one-sided event. Yes, cry out to God, but also listen. Create room to hear him. And so I think our prayers and our communication with God should be less a megaphone and more of a telephone. I ripped this phone out of my office, so Josiah is going to have to put it together. Sorry, Josiah. But I want you to get this picture. Picture talking to God like you're on the phone, right? You, you say stuff. You ask him for stuff. You do some talking, but don't forget to do the listening. So however you connect with God, whether it's through nature, get in nature, but create space for God to speak. I'm telling y'all, it is transformational when you start to hear the voice of God. I didn't think it was possible. I'm standing up here that I didn't hear it audibly, but God speaks to, to me and I can hear him. And for the longest time, I thought you had to be like super spiritual to hear God. I thought you had to know all the facts and be super in touch with God. You ever heard that? Oh man, that person hears from God. They must be super spiritual. Right, you ever heard that before? What are they doing? What are their, I just want to be a fly on their wall in their quiet times. How, how did they get that from God? And so I always thought that, man, God can't speak to someone like me. Does he know me? Does he know what I go through? Does he does he know my failures, my sin, my thoughts? But I just want to give you an encouragement today is that God doesn't just speak to super spiritual people. God doesn't speak to perfect people. He speaks to available people. You hearing me? You don't have to be perfect to hear the voice of God. I think that's one of the biggest myths that we go through is that I have to be super in touch. No, God is speaking to you right now. I think the, the times that I heard God the loudest is when I was making the biggest mistakes. So I just want to encourage you today is that you don't have to be super spiritual. You just have to be available. All right, God, I've made some serious mistakes. Can you help me? Can, can you give me a desire to do what pleases you? But we can't turn down the voice of God. Some of us in here are running away from the voice of God. And, and God is trying to call you by name, bring you back to himself. And we need to be aware and say, all right, God, I hear you. I'm listening to you. Where do you want me to go? What, what, what do you want me to do? So some of you in here, maybe it's the, the question of like, well, how do I know that it's actually God's voice? You ever have that thought before? And I've had the same thing. I'm like, God, how do I know your voice. Well, like your relationships, right? You've got to get to know him. You've got to get to know him, get to know his character, get to know uh, who he is and what he's done. You've got to define the relationship in 
your life to be able to hear God's voice. And one of the ways, this is, oh, this is so good. God is totally working through uh, my dad. But do you have a picture of my dad up there? Almost, maybe. Um, There he is. This is my dad. And a lot of you know my dad's story. He had a, a, a massive stroke and almost took his life by the grace of God. God saved him. Um, he's doing good. I think it's five or six years since his stroke. But he's, he's recovering. And granted, I'm, I'm praying a, for a full miracle of his restoration. But what I love about my dad is before the stroke happened, I was getting super close with my dad. I just, me and him would talk about career and life and sports. And I just got really close with my dad. And, and after the stroke, it was, it was devastating. And he Got, he, he had some symptoms from the, the, the stroke, and one of those is aphasia, where he's trying to communicate and trying to speak words, but, but sometimes they don't express themselves. He can't express himself, and it comes out mumbled and jumbled. And I was hanging out with a friend with my dad, and my friend afterwards goes, dude, I just have a random question. How, how were you able to pick up on what your dad was saying and asking me? And I said, well, dude, like, I know my dad. I know him. I know his character. I know what he would ask and how he would ask it. And so in me knowing my dad, I'm able to discern and pick up even if it's a broken statement. But what's amazing about my dad is when I can't pick up on what he's trying to say, he writes it down. Does this sound familiar? Does this relationship sound familiar? Oh my goodness, when, when God showed me this, I'm like, that's how he speaks to us. We get to know him. We know what he's trying to say because we know who he is. We know his character and what he would say and what he wouldn't say. We know the voice of truth. We know who he is and how faithful he is. And when we don't know and we, aren't, we, we don't know for sure, he writes it down for us in his word. And he's given us his word to discern his truth. You hearing me? God is so good, y'all. He is the good shepherd. He is a good father. And so when you start to get to know God and, 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 he, and you get to know his character and who he is and what he's done for you, oh my goodness, it blows your mind because you realize he's always faithful. He's always going to be with me no matter what. He, he, he's always going to help us live into the abundant life. I love, I love it. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can always count on him. We can always count on him. We can trust what he's saying to us. So when he says, I am the gate, I'm the only way to the Father, because we get to know Jesus and we see what he's done for us by laying down his life in our place, For your sins, for my sins, the sins of the world, we get to know that he is a good father. He's the savior of the world. He did what he said he was going to do. And so in that, we can trust that he's got our best interest in mind and that he is the savior of the world. He's come to save us from our sin, from our shame, from our rebellion. The word became flesh and blood, and moved into the neighborhood. Y'all, he did not have to come to earth, but he was thinking of you so that he could call your name to himself. 
he could take your shame, your sin, your insecurities on himself. He could take your punishment. The penalty for sin is death, y'all. Someone had to die for you and for me. And, and, and he had to be the perfect atoning sacrifice for our sins. And he went willingly to the cross. I love that. He said, no one made me lay down my life. I do that on my own accord. Shoot. Jesus didn't have to, but he chose to because he loves you. And he came not to judge you, but to save you. Y'all, this is the best news in the world. If we get to know that guy, we realize that he is the good shepherd. And when he calls us, we can listen to his voice. We can know him and he can know us in an intimate, fresh, vibrant way. We can trust his words. And when we trust his words, we can follow, follow him. I don't know where you're at in your relationship with Jesus today, but I can tell you this, is that he's calling your name. He's saying, I see you. I know what you've been through. I know what you're going through. But yet, I haven't come to judge you. I've come to save you. Put your trust in me. Follow my voice. Get to know me. Experience me in a fresh, vibrant, intimate way. Because when you do that, the only choice you have is to follow him because you realize how good he is. If y'all would, uh, the band would come up. I want to give you a, some response time just to do some work with Jesus in your time, your last little time together, and just to do some work. I don't know about you, but I had to get in, in the presence of God, do some work myself, and ask God to speak to me. And maybe, maybe you're like, man, I've been running away from the voice of God for too long. How could he be the good shepherd? Maybe this is your moment to, to, to turn up the voice of God and to come back to him because he wants to save you. He, he, he doesn't want to just save you. He wants to give you the abundant life in relationship with him where you experience God's fullness and his grace and his goodness and his peace. God has that to offer, y'all. And that abundant life, that over-the-top life, excessive life is only found in relationship with Jesus. And if you're feeling like God is trying to get through to you today through this message or through his word, I just want to give you the opportunity to respond and say, I don't have it all figured out, but God, I need you. I need you. I need your grace. I need you to save me. I've been running away for too long, but I trust you. I trust that you haven't come to judge me, but you've come to save me. So with, would y'all bow your heads and I'm gonna lead us in a time of response. If that's you today, and you just know that you know deep down that, that you need to turn from the way you've been living and back to Jesus, it's very simple. You can cross that line of faith in this moment. You can surrender. As C.S. Lewis says, you can lay down your arms and join Jesus. If that's you today, would you just whisper to yourself or speak to yourself, Jesus, I give my life to you. Jesus, 
I give my life to you. It's that simple. And this isn't, you don't have to have everything all figured out. This is just the beginning of the greatest relationship that you will ever experience. He's come to bring you the abundant life, life to the fullest. Jesus, I give my life to you. Maybe this is your moment. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus, but, but you haven't, you've been in a rut, you feel like. You feel like you just haven't been experiencing his, his vibrancy and, and his freedom and, and joy, and you haven't been experiencing him intimately. Maybe that's you today. And for whatever reason, you, you've turned down the voice of God or, or you haven't been able to hear the voice of God. I just want to pray for you in this moment. Maybe it's your time to, to come to the altars or, or at your seat and just say, God, I need you to speak to me again. I want that intimate relationship with you again. Maybe if that's you, would you join me in this prayer? Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for laying down your life for us. God, you've come to give us the abundant life, life to the fullest. God, would you speak to me again in a tangible, real, raw way? God, I want to hear your voice. God, it's been too long since I've heard from you. Lord, I am going to commit to giving you the environment, to giving you space and time for you to speak to me. And I'm going to be still. And I'm going to allow you to speak through the silence. God, would you meet me right where I'm at? Give me your grace and your mercy and your love again. Lord, thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you made that decision to follow Christ, we would love to talk to you in the lobby. We'd love to get to know you and go through some next steps. But let's use the rest of this time to worship and to respond to God's voice.